0: Huddersfield Town have been at sixes and sevens for much of the past two seasons. No truer has that been than this second week of April. Hello and welcome to another episode of the Town Social Podcast. I'm Cameron Pope occupying the hot seat in absence of Greg Mara and uh, joining me are Ian Kilroy, Gareth Kaye, Nick Barlow and debutante Dan Peckett. Now owing to the international break it's been a while since we last got together so there's plenty unfortunately to get our teeth into. Gents, we congregate around the mics this morning after the uninspiring goalless draw with relegation rivals Rotherham. But before we pick apart that tepid performance, there's only one place to start, and that's with Huddersfield Town's worst defeat in 34 years, the 7-0 defeat to Norwich City. Nick Ballow, where do we begin to start with what happened in midweek?
1: Dear oh dear oh dear, I'm going to give it the amount of time it deserves, uh, which is about a minute to talk about this game because it was one of the. Well, I switched off after ten minutes. I've got to be quite. I've got to be honest. Um, I saw the team sheet, and immediately I just thought, "Oh no!" Exactly the same feeling as I got against Bournemouth. We saw Benzema and Ward up front, Daney on the right side, and I, I, I just looked at the Norwich side, the form that they're in, and I just thought, "We." We've we've thrown this game basically. The, the players came out first ten minutes. You're expecting to see commitment, desire, getting stuck in, getting tackles, and getting in the faces, making life difficult for Norwich. And we just looked, we just looked petrified. The, the players looked absolutely scared to death. Norwich nobody got a tackle in and as soon as the first goal went in you look at the reaction of the players heads down just accepting just like they knew it would come in we accepted the fact we have conceded and just trudged back as if you know as if it was absolutely fine and at that point I switched off because I thought you you know with town the first 10 minutes you can gauge it can't you you know if the team's turned up and they want to give them a game or if they've just let it go and to be quite honest it would have been easier and more humane just for us to have forfeited the game not played it and lost 3-0 by default and and saved the embarrassment and misery to the fans. Um, So, yeah, absolutely terrible. And I just, I know it's going to be difficult. Norwich are a very good side, but we should not be losing 7-0 in any game. And I just think the attitude of the players was all wrong. I think the tactics were wrong. And we just don't seem to learn anything from that Bournemouth game. It's almost like we we saw it on paper and we just thought we we aren't going to win here. We, we've got absolutely no chance. We'll try and keep it as as much as possible, but I'm I'm not going to play my best eleven. There was no way that that was the best eleven um, available. We're just going to do what we can. We're probably going to lose it, but we'll focus all our attention on Rotherham. And you can't you've, you've got to give hundred percent every game. You've got to treat every game as a potential three points. You know, as good as Norwich are drop points against Preston, drop points against, is it Blackburn or some of the lesser teams? They're not. It's not impossible to get a result if you dig deep, organised in defence, set piece. something might fall for you. But right from that first minute, from the first whistle, we just looked terrible. And like I say, I switch it off, I put Queen's Gambit on after 10 minutes and I thought I watch that, put my feet up because I knew it was over. We're just really sad, really sad.
2: I, the... um. Yeah, as good as as bad as we were, I think you have to you have to give Norwich a bit of credit. I thought they were excellent on the night. Although any team that plays goal scoring music to an empty stadium deserves to be relegated three divisions instantly. Um, but I, I, we Carlos has got form for this. He did it at Bournemouth and it didn't pay off. We drew nil nil with Kov. Did the same thing against uh, Norwich and we drew 0-0 with Rotherham. So I'm not really sure what the point was. Um, other than in his mind, it was a game he was never going to win, so he was going to be selective. Um, yeah, you know, I mean there wasn't one player that came out of the game with any semblance of, of credit. I thought so, but Tom Stido came flashes when he came on, and Scott I ran about a bit. Um, but other than that, we were we were beaten by a much better team that had the right kind of mental attitude. We went into that game defeated. You know there wasn't a player on the pitch thought we could get anything from that game. You know Norwich played derby yesterday only beat derby one nil I had a quick look at the at the stats you know derby had as many shots on target and as many shots as Norwich position where possession was pretty much 50-50. So as you say Nick it isn't impossible to play against these teams but you've got to be willing to give it a go in the first place and I don't think we were ever really ever really in the game. Um I sadly watched till the end so although you know the Queen's Gambit is any good, I've never seen it. So I think next time I might follow your league, mate, once we go one nil down. But yeah, a, a piss poor night all round. Um, and you know, Carlos looked pretty forlorn at the final whistle. And I think if we were if he was playing, if he was manager of many other clubs, you know, two wins in 20 or whatever it is, and a seven-nil hammering away from home against, you know, probably the worst championship leaders I've seen in a long time, he'd be a, he'd be doing the long walk. Um, but we seem to think just, just roll our eyes and shrug our shoulders and take it as acceptable that a 7-0 hammering needs to be expected these days.
3: Yeah, I thought we were a disgrace, to be honest. I just thought it was embarrassing. I mean, we all knew going into Norwich it was going to be a tough game. We probably weren't expecting to get anything out of it, and I think that was why the, the point against Brentford was so vital. But at the same time, you expect the players to put a shift in. And I know Carlos has been given out these sort of excuses of, all oh, we've had these injury crisis and all that thing. But if you're a manager of a team, you give out, you, you put the tactics into the game that you know that you're going to try and compete to the best of your ability. And we didn't even compete, you know, simple as. And I think, you know, we're at that point in the season now where, you know, we're looking ahead, trying to think about what's going to happen in the summer and what's going to happen for next season when everyone's back in the stadium. And if this is an advertisement for what's to come, they're going to have to advertise harder than they are now because this has just been an embarrassment. And I think the Norwich game, okay, Norwich are fantastic. You know, they're they're going to go back up. But again, you know, any team should be, you, you play every game as if it's your final. You play every game with the same amount of passion and enthusiasm. And I didn't even see an ounce of it not even an ounce. And I think that that's something that will probably haunt us now for a long time to come.
4: Luckily, I wasn't born when um, we got battered by Man City in 1987. So I don't have to lie about where I was on the day because I wasn't here. I wasn't here yet. Um, Obviously since then, this is officially the worst defeat we've had. Now we've seen a lot of batterings. We had the Barnsley 7-1 and uh, and the Scunthorpe 6-2 at home, if you remember, that was absolutely horrific. And now, one thing I will say is Norwich created more chances than I've ever seen a team do against us that they should have scored from. That game should have ended 10, 11. And it's ridiculous talking like that, but that's what should have happened in that game. Norwich were 5-0 up at halftime and should have been further ahead. It was amazing. It, they put an amazing performance in. Um, all that if you read a lot on the Norwich for. I like going on um, opposing teams forums after we've played them to get their little insight to see what, how they reckon they played in that game. Um, and they're all saying it's the best performance they've ever seen Norwich put in. All right. No, no, no mention of how bad we were and that we're already in Qatar or Dubai ready for um, ready for a holiday over the summer. But we, we didn't turn up, did we? As so soon as that, the third goal, it was pretty clinical up until the third goal. When the third goal came in at 24 minutes, I, I should have done a Queen's Gambit as well, Nick, to be honest. But I, unfortunately, I watched it all. Um, maybe we need to set up a little club, though. When we do go 2-3-0 down, we can just sort of whack on our Netflix and chat about that for the rest of the game instead of uh, what's happening about what, what's going on with town, because it was predictable what's going to happen after there. The only thing I suppose what wasn't predictable was how few how few goals he scored after half-time. Look, it was very Bournemouth, like you said, Gaz, and the Coventry game after that ended nil-nil, and then as we'll move on to the Rotherham game and a little bit the same thing happened then. So you can argue, did it work, did it not work? It's a bad defeat. Bad defeats happen. We were walloped, but in the grand scheme of things, I don't put it up there, even with another loss that we've had this season in, in that the Wickham game we lost at home 3-2 was worse. I don't care about the score and the performance. I think sometimes the mental aspect of a game... And, and the hangover you can have from it um, isn't necessarily what happens as a scoreline, but what happens in the pattern of the game and, and how important it is to your season. And losing 7-0 to Norwich isn't ever going to be enjoyable. The defensive effort at the back between Stearman and Keo was laughable. The amount of straight passes and straight direct runs that split them and got them in through on goal for easy chances was embarrassing and do you know why that is because a 34 33 year old blokes not able to play at the level that norwich will be at next year which is premier league level because some of those guys are ready for that now bad day at the office i didn't like the team selection but i don't think that's going to cost us long term so i'm not going to overreact on the back of one really shit performance
0: Jumping in off the back of that, actually, because you made a good point towards the end of it there, um, Ian. Team selection. Uh, we definitely had a weaker team than we would expect in most weeks. Um, and, and yeah, as, as a quick aside, even in two years of the Premier League, we never shipped seven goals. Okay, we should have done against Manchester City in the 6 1 defeat. And I wish we had because I had a £5 uh, bet on 7 1 that year. But otherwise, no, we. this was a team as well that we went toe to toe with at the start of the season. And to see is uh, so humblingly mauled in midweek. Uh, it, it, that was the most difficult watch we've had uh, of the year so far. But again, it's hard to be angry, I think, after you lost 7-0. When you lose two or three, um, it can leave you quite bitter and frustrated. But at half-time, you just you just stop caring. So it's, you feel numb to it, really. And, and to be honest, I think it was just a miracle that we kept it in single figures. I never thought I'd say that about Huddersfield Town game, unless we were playing Barcelona in some strange UEFA conference league. But it really, really was an abomination. But going on to that team selection... We mentioned this after the Bournemouth loss um, down on the South Coast, and we brought on a lot of youth players and we threw them onto what we thought was quite a toxic environment. And again, we saw the youth coming off the bench. Uh, Jaden Brown came on, uh, Romani Edmonds-Green, Scott High, Aaron Rowan, and Sober Thomas with the five substitutes that we made, while uh, Fraser Campbell and Sunogo stayed on the bench, perhaps a bit too early for Tommy Elphick. What do we think about that? One about the selection of the team, and I'm not wishing to label the point here, but I think it's um, I think it's an apt thing that Ian brought up, but also throwing in such inexperience and youth into a, into a side late on in the game where the heads were down from about the 10th minute. I think oh. it
3: could... Damaged, sorry, I was saying I think I've, it could really damage their confidence in the sense that, I mean, I thought Carlos was meant to come in and inject um, inspiration to these young players. But in the manner of which he's bringing these young players on, it's just going to do the exact opposite. I mean, can you imagine if there was a crowd there? You know, I, I can't imagine. I mean, those young lads coming out there playing like that and in, in a environment, if they were fans, it would have been unimaginable, but I think the fact that Carlos was brought in specifically to inject inspiration and to get these young players playing first-team football, you don't dump them into a 7-0 defeat like that. It's just its just wrong. It's unfair. And I think that those young players deserve better. And, and, you know, Silver Thomas and Scott High, they've shown glimpses of what they're capable of. And quite frankly, I'd have been more happy to see them you know, coming on to the one-on-one game later. But I think they deserve more of a chance because at least they're trying, at least they show that they care. And, you know, I think Carlos keeps uh, picking players that just don't seem to show any enthusiasm or, you know, Isaac Membenza feels like he's just gone back to the way he was a couple of years ago. So we're looking at it the wrong way there
4: though, right? It's all right saying we need to give protect the youth, but the problem is we've got what now? Six games to go until the end of the season. What Carlos' entire mindset there is protecting the guys that are going to play until the end of the season. He's brought off Nabi San, he's brought up Richard Steven because they were dog shit on the day. And what happens to our boys that we need to play in the next few games if we walk off there 10-0 down because they weren't the right players for the attack that Norwich had? We're in a worse situation. Unfortunately, the guys that had to be sent for the slaughter were the young lads, not the old lads, because for the rest of this season, as the entire thing has changed now from like a visionary approach of bringing in youth players on cheap deals, developing themselves. We have changed entirely to just surviving this year. Pragmatism, isn't it? That's what we're after. And to do that, he decided that we've got to protect the old guys instead of the youth. And now I've never seen that before in professional football. I have not, but that's the only rationale I can see behind why he did that
2: against um, Norwich late on. Yeah, I was just saying about the um, about the kids as well. I think you know, Carlos has been brought in because he's a youth coach who can work with these guys. And you know, Dan saying he needs to you know give them some inspiration. My concern is is that they're just not good enough. No matter how much inspiration he gives them, if they're not good enough, they're not really going to make the grade. You know, sober Thomas came on and looked bright in touches, but he came on yesterday and I thought he was really poor. You know, so I think these kids are a million miles away, from, and it isn't disrespectful to call them kids, they're a million miles away from being first team ready. It, it's, a, it's a real concern that when we get to the summer, and I guess we'll come up to transfers at some point, that there's already a, a belief in the club by people who are, who are insular, that these people are, these boys are ready to perform at championship level next year and make a difference. Big worry for me.
0: Moving on to what we all saw yesterday as well. Now, in in a sense, this was the ideal game for the club to come back into and save some face. We knew that a win put us as good as safe in the Championship, despite the mauling in midweek. And on the flip side, the key was not to lose. As we all know, that wasn't what happened. Got the nil-nil draw. But in the middle of those two extremes, where do you think a draw leaves us now?
1: I mean, someone from the outside looking at it it's a decent point, I guess. It stops Rotherham gaining ground on us. Wednesday, Wickham lost. So it's, it's another point on those. So from the outside looking in, it's not too bad. Anybody that watched the game, it was awful. We, we offered so little attacking threat. It was just, at, at times, it was embarrassing. You've got a team that, for all intents and purposes, seems League One bound completely dominating us for, I'd argue, probably 80 of the 90 minutes. I mean, I don't, I don't want to go on too much about XG because it's boring, but their XG was 1.59, ours was 0.52, and we're supposed to be the home side that if we win that game, we're we're pretty much safe. But how on earth Rotherham didn't win that game? I've absolutely no idea. They had two or three gilt-edged chances. That chance at the end from, from Wales. I mean, how on earth he hasn't just put that across a keeper instead of going to the near post? I've, I've absolutely no idea. Crooks at the, the post when it seemed harder to to miss. Um, they're unlucky with a free kick, a really good free kick from wing, I think, that at that the bar. They should have won 2-0 at least. And I mean, I know on the stats it says we had four on target. I can't remember having four shots on target. I remember one from Sonogo. I remember one from Keogh. The keepers say, other than that, I'm struggling to think of any kind of major goal threat that we, that we posed. So it's really worrying, you know, and, they, and this for a team that you you want a reaction. We're all expecting a reaction from that. Marlin against Norwich, you're thinking, right, come out against Rotherham and show us what you're about. Show us that you belong in this division. Take the game to them from the start. And they just didn't. Rotherham, they, they're a team that likes to sit back and, and play on the counter-attack and... I think the games that they lost, uh, take Wickham for example. I think it surprised them that the the Rotherham have the majority of the ball and they're, they're quite uncomfortable in that scenario. And, it, and Wickham just basically waited and, and took the chances. And that's probably what we should have done. We probably should have just sat back, let let them have the ball and, and it on the counter attack. Most of their chances seem to come on the counter. And actually, right at the end, if Sauber Thomas plays that ball through from Benzo, he's got a really good chance there. I think you're in the ninety-first minute and you know, in true town style, just pass it back to the keeper instead. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it was really worrying for me. And, I mean, th- this is supposed to be our best 11 after saving some of the players from Norwich. And and really, we couldn't muster anything. Uh, I thought Rotherham played really well, really well. It's a team that's fighting to stay up and it showed. And we look like a team that sat on the beach. It's a dangerous game because, I, I mean, I've said it, I don't know, I've said it from Barnsley, where I said we're not safe yet, I'm still not not playing like that. Look at that Norwich game and us versus Wednesday. It's a twelve goal different swing in space of two days. Now that can that can galvanise teams. Yeah, I mean Wednesday lost in the in the M, um, but you know that can really that can really go against you having that attitude of oh well it's, it's all right we'll we'll limp we'll limp over the line. You know, what a sad way to end the season after starting the first half of the season playing this great, you know, attractive football, scoring some really good goals, getting all those points to, to going back to just limping over the line, probably with forty-seven points, which which is atrocious. And I haven't I haven't looked at loads of stats in a while, because I know how boring it can be, but I, I had a look at some stats for for this episode just to just to emphasize the the problem that we've got so I looked at the amount of times that we've won over the past four seasons including this one and bearing in mind we haven't obviously finished this season so it's out of 40 games but our winning ratio of the last four seasons is we've won 36 games out of 162 so we've got a winning ratio of about 27 percent now, yeah, a couple of those seasons were in the Premier League, and I know we had that dreadful season, but we've still got to try and compete. Away from home, our winning ratio is 14%. It's absolutely dreadful. And I <laughs> I challenge any fan of any football side to be happy with that kind of winning ratio. It just seems that we, we've we just got out the habit of winning. We just seem to... Be happy to just sort of grind just just creep over the line do the bare minimum necessary I was still in the championship with that kind of winning rate I've no idea but we are we've got to expect better as fans a club have to expect better than this season after season after season it's, it's just not good enough and I was really upset with that performance there because I was expecting a reaction and I was expecting a win and in true town style we will. It will come to probably the second to last last game of the season as to whether we stay up because it always does, isn't it? We're a team of extremes. We've always got to either be right at the top, you know, going for promotion, or we've got to be scrapping right to the end. We can't just have a nice, boring mid-table finish, can we? You know, mid-table season, nice and boring. We can't do that. We've got to take it right to the end, and that's why I still think that we're not safe yet, and I still do. I still think it's a dangerous game that they're playing. Just to be contributing bare minimum in these games.
2: I think I think we are safe, Nick, because fortunately everybody else is just as crap as we are. At the bottom ten, only only Birmingham won yesterday out of the bottom ten, and there's usually one team streaks away at the end, and I think that'll be Birmingham this year. Lee Boyer weaving his magic, uh, you know, and then there's always one team that seems to be in free fall, and that seems to be Preston. Now I think fortunately for Preston, the bottom three are so bad, they're not going to catch him. And I think we'll stop up almost by default because we're not as bad as the three that are going to go down. And I think the three that are currently in the bottom three will be the three that go down. You know, Rotherham were limited, but they were game. You know, that's what I liked about him. I quite like Paul Warren. I think, he, you know, he knows his limitations. He knows his team's limitations and he uses it accordingly. <clears throat> I thought Lewis Wing was great on the day. You know, I can't believe he's at, at Rotherham. You know, I can't believe that Middles will let him go. We decided to sign Dwayne Holmes and they picked up Lewis Wing. Now, that, that, you know, there is value in the championship, despite what Phil will tell you. You know, and there's players like Lewis Wing about. Um, the best chances fell to them. Um, I mean, how they didn't win the game, I, I still don't know. Continued our awful habit of giving away soft fouls, soft set pieces. We know what other them are playing for, so why are we giving away easy throw-ins, easy corners? It's just, it's, it's outrageous. Um, you know, and as I said, I think the only positive were the other results. What was interesting, I watched, I tried to keep my eye on Matt Crooks yesterday thought was energetic and got about the pitch and should have scored. You know, we're talking about kids being burnt and throwing our youngsters in and, and burning them. There's an example of a lad who was burned, you know, thrown to the, thrown to the saw by Mark Robbins and it took him three seasons to get back to a level where he's a top end league one bottom end championship player. So yeah, yeah. I, I'm with you now. I, I think I'm happy with a point, you know, a point is a point at this stage in the season, but having dwelt on it and thought about it after the game, my concern is, you know, I really want Town to stop up. I really want them to do well. But I just have a horrible sinking feeling that 12 months from now, we'll be sat here debating where we're going to find the three points we need to not get relegated again.
3: Yeah, well, I'm terrified for next season. I think more so this game with Rotherham than Norwich actually, where with Rotherham there was a lot of build-up from Carlos and obviously pacuna and, uh, uh, and um, the social media lot you know, saying this is the game, this is where we're going to turn things around. And and ultimately, they all ended up with egg on their face because, you know, it was a draw and it was a point. But for me, it felt more like a defeat and it felt more like, you know, if this is an indication of where things are going to go, it's not going to go well. I mean, you know, I, 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 I'm born and raised in Coventry and I've seen what happened to Coventry City when they just sort of, you know, sat around in the championship with no ambition for season after season. You know, eventually they fell apart and, you know, they fell apart in the most ugly way possible. And I think for us, we've got to be very, very careful that we don't end up in the same way because, you know, while I think this season, we'll, I do think we'll stay up by the skin of a teeth, I do worry about next season more so because, one, we don't know what the summer transfers are going to look like. We don't know what the plans are. We don't know what our ambitions are. And, you know, the Lee Bromby at the helm, I don't really trust him at all. But I also fear that, you know, a lot of other clubs at the moment that are around us, you know, they'll dust themselves off and I think they'll get going again next season with us. You know, it's where I think next season is going to be our, I think our biggest final decision on whether or we'll not Phil uh, and, and company can actually get something out of this team and get something out of this club that's better than just relegation scrap because i think i don't think fans are going to take much of it much longer especially after yesterday's game i think you know you can't expect the club you can't expect the fans to keep back in the club and the club again just continue to not back themselves and it's showing more and more each and every week for me
0: Well, when it comes to backing the club, I guess there's another man we need to talk about backing and that's uh, that's backing the manager. And so Gaz alluded to it earlier on. He's now won two in 19 as Carlos Corcoran. Where does it go from here now? At what point do we say that this is unsalvageable or can we even afford to say that at all? I personally, my take on this is that I imagine we're going to be seeing Carlos Corberan in charge next season. That's probably financially motivated, but also I think because it it, it suits the hierarchy of the club well. It allows them to keep um, running this uh, sustainability ticket, um, and and I guess that Carlos Corberan his his get out is that he hasn't got the squad that he, that he wants to use, and that's and the squad isn't good enough to play his brand of football. I agree with that. I don't think anyone's disputing that. Um, I personally think on that sort of record, I think the club just needs a complete reshape because, because I think it's got so toxic now. I don't think it's we're going to be able to turn it around. And I think Dan's led into this point quite well because, yeah, I can't see what gets better next season. We're not going to have a massive influx of cash. We're going to, okay, manage to shift some dead weights, hopefully. But looking at the transfer business we've done so far this season, it's been very hit and miss we're not aiming high exactly, are we, in terms of where we want to be? We're looking at the next three to five years before we compete, isn't it, really? And so we've been told. And so I don't see where it goes. But, you know, that starts with, of course, the head coach, Carlos. And I personally imagine he'll be in next season. But I don't know. What's your take on it?
3: I think he'll be in. But I think the the, the problem is with that is, is it going to be another Jan Sievert scenario where they'll, they'll, they'll say they're going to back in, they're going to, keep him on and stuff and then after two weeks of the f- first season back they'll, they'll sack him you know i think if they're going if they're going to make a decision they've got to do it as soon as possible they can't linger if you know if they go if, if he does let's just say you know worst case scenario he gets sacked you know it, 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 this week or next week or whenever you know if that happens i'll be more accepting of it now than i would be two weeks into the new season you know, because at that point then, it's just going to be another... Everyone knows what, what's going to happen. It's just going to be another situation like it was with Jan Siever. And then fans have got to readjust again. And I think that the club can't afford for that to happen. I think that if they're going to make a decision on him personally. I'll be very sad to see him go because I think he's a manager with great potential. I, I just don't think it's with us, sadly. I don't want him to go personally because I do think again there's potential with him, but there's also, you know, like you said, you know, two wins is is you know in in in, in this year alone is is enough to get anyone sacked, and I think you know Carlos shouldn't be, you know, Carlos does need to how um, be be accountable for that. I think he does because again, he is somebody that you know he is the head coach at the end of the day. He's but not getting sacked, Dan. Up.
4: Dan, I'm jumping in. He's not getting sacked though because we've just given him a new contract. Oh. Remember what happened? Yeah. Remember, remember how this 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 went this way. Yeah. We had the cowleys. In. They did a good job last year. We, they turned it around after everyone's head had dropped. They managed to get it through. Probably it's going to end up more comfortable than this season's going to end up by the by the looks of it. Against mm. and I think the bottom three, the teams that went down last year were probably better than the teams that went down this year. Right? They're going to go down this year. Um, but we, we we brought him in. Um, because we decided to lower the budget and lowering the budget wasn't going to sit well with the Cowley's, was it? Right. We can t- pretend it's about we played ugly football. No, we didn't because we played pragmatic, pragmatism style again, like we're doing now. Like that's exactly what we're doing yeah. now, right? So, yeah. what we did, what we're doing now is what we did last year. And then we justified that to sack the Cowley's. So, under that scenario, we'd be sacking Carlos again this summer, then surely, because he's done exactly the same thing than what the Cowley's. But we know that's nonsense. We know that's not exactly what happened. We brought the Carolies in. We brought um, Carlos in to be able to get something from a smaller, cheaper squad. Right? Everyone agrees on that. I think everyone's come to that conclusion. And a few months in, we're nine out of ten in for the year again. We're doing really well, and we're thinking, shit, we're into it. We've done it. We've got somebody cheap who can get a song out of players that are, might not be up to the quality of, the, of teams of our stature in our division. Right? We're getting a song out of them. Right? Let's lock these guys in. And let's go for it because we, we found them. We found, and then from the moment they've signed that contract, it's gone to shit. And now this isn't news to me or half of us. We spoke about this. We said when he came in, he played a chaos style of football that no one had seen before. They can say it was Leeds ball, Bielsa ball. It was a little bit, but there was more chaos than that. There was, there was less structure and more free reign for the centre-backs and full-backs than I've seen Leeds do, right? And it worked. Teams did not know how to beat us until they realized if they sit back and stay really structured we struggle to, to break that down and count it against us when that started happening we lost a lot of games including that Wickham game that was that was a real big turning point and after that we tried this new style to try and just get over the line because we thought we were okay we thought we had enough of a head start on everyone to, to get there and then look what's happening now I'm, I'm really really worried and the Rotherham game so after the Norwich game I was I was not happy with the result, of course not. And as we spoke about already today, um, it was a big walloping and, and it was embarrassing. The Rotherham game was fucking worse, miles worse, miles miles worse because we looked like we didn't have a clue how to play. We defended so narrow, and when you defend narrow like that, we were in we were in both of the half spaces. All eleven players were down the centre of the field when we were defending. And now what that does is allows other teams to go down the wing, fine, and cross it in. And we're we're betting on ourselves on on Keogh and Saar, to be able to nod it out and win all the headers, right? How we didn't lose that game on Wednesday is ridiculous because they scored a perfectly fine goal. There, there was nothing wrong. The best player, best up-to-field player on that pitch were Matt Crooks. by miles. Absolutely. And I thought he were a centre-back. did Matt Robbins think he were a centre-back too? He was the best player on the field. And they've won that game. We, we, we've, through nothing more than a miracle, got a point out of that. Now, that's... Like, normally after a game, you blame the referee and say, hey, we should, we should have won. We'd have won if the ref had been fairer. If the ref had been fairer, we'd have lost 2-3-0. No. It was unbelievable. I've never seen a ref give us as much leniency as he did this week. It was... It was it, yesterday was crazy. And we've got away with one. But the, the worrying part about it for me and, and why I'm worried about Carlos in the future is on the, on the, they don't look like they have a clue anymore. They don't look like they know how to change a game when it's happening in the game. They don't look like they've got substitutions. They don't look like they have a... T- Danny Schofield and corp they kept panning to them on, on the video feed, didn't they? And they just kept looking. It wasn't the same animation that we had at the beginning of the year. They looked like they're falling into a hole. And the entire mindset yesterday was, like, let's scrape away with this 0-0 because the only team that's going to cause us trouble between now and the end of the year is Rotherham. They've got three games, I think, in like 6 they've got a game Tuesday, Thursday, and Sunday this week. And now if they didn't have so many games in, in such a quick period of time, I'd be backing us to get relegated and be willing to commit with Nick for his nudie run because we're very fortunate here that Rotherham have so many games in such a short period of time, because it's going to be very unlikely they're going to pick up a lot of points in those games, but they were better than us yesterday. They were miles better than us yesterday, but man for man, they're probably not right. And when that's the case, the only person you can look at is the coach. He was getting a song out of the team before Christmas. He isn't anymore. Yesterday, Rotherham didn't sit back either. That's a real worry I have. We struggle against teams that sit deep. They didn't sit deep. They came at us pretty much, and we couldn't cause the same chaos we could at the beginning of the season. Now, is that because the Bielsa ball and Lee style football always burns out halfway through a season as he failed year after year after year until he put £58 million pounds in last year or whatever it is to, on the lead salaries to be able to get over that hump and make it to the end of the season? We don't have that budget. So if we don't have that budget and can't have a squad fit to do what Carlos wants, is Carlos then the right man for the job? He deserves more backing. We all thought he'd get more backing. He hasn't had it just yet. COVID, yeah, blah, blah, blah whatever. But this summer, our budget is going to be restricted further. So the quality of player that he has, theoretically, will be less because we are paying less. And football is a game that is on money. Look at the list come out yesterday from um, one of the football, Swiss Ramble, I think, put out a, a graph where it showed how many teams had made profit over the last three years in the championship. And town would currently sit about fourth or fifth in there if we stuck to the break-even model we want to stick with. And every team above us have been relegated in those years. Every single one of them. So, so if that's what we're aiming for, and Carlos is wanting to play this football that wants a lot of um, fit fit players that can go deep into a season and perform at their best compared to what we actually got against Rotherham, where the players are not there anymore. And I don't know if it, I don't think it's desired. It's not that they don't want to, I just think mentally they're spent long training, murder ball. Train twice a day, hard all year, not much of an off-season last year with a change of system, so they had to learn from the Cowley style into Carlos' style. That takes a big toll on a player, and they look spent. Luckily, I think the end of season will just come quick enough that we stay up, and, and, and if we do, Carlos is obviously going to stay, but it just seems a little bit hypocritical compared to what we said for the Cowleys when they went last summer compared to what we are yeah. going to say this summer.
3: Yeah, I do agree that it's hypocritical, and I also think that, again, it's not just about this season. It's mostly about next season for me. It's the fact that again, we don't seem to have a clear idea what the plan is, and if there is a plan, and obviously half the squad, as it stands, won't be there next season. So you know where we're we going to spend all that money is going to be if whatever money we've got is going to be a mystery. But I also think that in terms of whether Carlos should stay or go, my question would be really: Does he have to go, or does Lee Bromby have to be the one held accountable? Because again. He's the one bringing in Richard Keogh. He's the one bringing in players that are not fit to play for the club right now, or to fit in the in the style of play that Carlos wants. And I think that that has. I think people like Lee Bromby and Josh Marsh and anyone in recruitment staff should be held just as accountable as Carlos right now. To be quite honest,
2: there's there's no chance of that, and no chance. You know, you know my view on the on the management team. I think it's an echo chamber. It's Carlos and three mates. And, and you're right, Ian, I think the problem they've got is they've been doing the same thing now that they were doing before Christmas and I don't think they can understand why it's not working. It was working and now it in. I don't really understand. I am not doing anything different. How can it not be working? So I think that, that's an issue. And, um, you know, I think it is slightly different to the Seavert situation because we will be bringing, I think, a considerable number of cheaper players in during the summer. Mark Devlin said on the on the the interview you had on the HTAFC family page that they were going to you know, bring players in around Carlos' style. So that's a real worry. They bring in six, eight, ten players to play in Carlos' style. We get to October, it's as crap as it is now. They pull the trigger. Where does that leave us? We've got players on two and three year deals, might not fit with whoever we bring in. Um, you know, I think the fans' opinion on Carlos, I don't think Phil will care. Phil's already demonstrated that the fans' opinion doesn't rank very highly when it comes to his own decision-making. Phil makes his own decisions, rightly or wrongly. Um, But I think the club have got a stick or twist, and I think they'll stick. I do, honestly. I think he'll be here come the beginning of next season. How long for? Don't really know. Um, You know, I think he needs to try, though, during the summer, or the club need to try during the summer to give him some help. You know, if he is as good as they keep telling us he is, then the boy needs some help. You know, and I think that that would show a signal of intention for me. I can't see Bromby or Marsh going anywhere. They fit within Phil's structure of people he likes, but I think they've got to give Carlos every chance. And signing players isn't enough for a coach in his first year and shown to be struggling.
1: I I like Carlos. Um, you've got to have balance with it and he's not beyond criticism. I think. You know, an example was a Norwich game where first goal goes in, does not change it. Second goal goes in. Oh well, we'll get to half time at two 0 Third goal goes in, doesn't change it. Fourth goal goes in. Fifth goal goes. There's no, there's no reaction. You know, a, an experienced manager like your Warnock's would be making four or five changes before half time to, to to fresh it, just to say I've had enough of this. You know, to, but it's almost like he's he's waiting for something to click with the players to suddenly. You know, or they'll, they'll get it right. They'll understand, they'll change. And it just doesn't. And that, that's been my main criticism of Carlos, that he just doesn't react enough to situations in games. But having said that, you look at the situation. He's come in in one of the probably hardest seasons the Championship's ever seen. He's not really had a pre-season the players that he's had to work with. We've lost our main attacking threat in, in Karoma, uh, and I don't think it's any coincidence that when we lost him a night in the results dropped off significantly because we, we've zero cutting edge without Karoma in the side. Um, so there are a lot of mitigated circumstances, and I'd be interested with a full pre-season, if we can get the players that are more suited to his style of play, because this obviously isn't his preferred style of play right now, if we can get players that, that suit that style, I'll be interested to see how he does. And I think, I mean, if he was at a team like Watford with their squad depth and some of their players, I think it would work wonders. But you've got to support him. If if you're bringing somebody in, I've said it before, if you're bringing somebody in to play a certain style of football, you have to give them the tools to do that job. You know, we could have Guardiola in and he wouldn't get a tune out of some of these players. Some of these players... They know they're not going to get a contract next season. And Benza, after January, dropped off because he wanted a move, didn't get it. We haven't seen him since. He's hardly, he's hardly done anything. You know, we need to get these Pritchard. Where's he now? Sweeping up somewhere. Like, we haven't seen him for ages. Get Get him out. Free up some wages. Get players that actually want to be here, And let's see what he can do. And if it isn't working, yeah, they'd have to look at it. But, I mean, my question would be, who's going to come in? Who's going to come in? We, we've gone from one certain style of play with the Cowleys to a completely different style of play with Carlos and we're in exactly the same position in the table so what type of manager do we actually need at town to get the best because we keep saying this every season we need someone to get the best out of what we've got but it gets to a point eventually three, four, five years down the line when they're still not doing it that we have to look at the actual resources available and say something needs to change with the recruitment and I, I agree we, we, I, I think Brombe I don't know. I don't know why we persist on this model of recruitment when, you know, we get one signing right out of four. It seems, and I know that nobody gets hundred percent right. We every club has signings that don't work for whatever reason. But I don't think anybody could deny that the recruitment strategy hasn't worked in the, in the long run. So they've got. It gets to the point where they're going to have to look at that, and I think if they get that bit right. I think that Carlos will will do a really good job, but I mean you go. I I don't think they will change it. And I think sadly, you know, if if the players that come in over the summer, it's a huge summer by the way with the amount of players leaving, a uh, huge summer. But if these players aren't right, he's he's a dead man walking. And I do feel sorry for him because I think, I think the
2: championship next year, Nick, as well, is going to be a lot tougher than it is this year. I do honestly. You look at the teams that that are coming up. You've got Hull and Peterborough top two. And you've got Sunderland Blackpool Portsmouth and Lincoln in the playoffs I can see the is getting Pompey through the playoffs 100% getting them through the playoffs so you're probably looking at you know Hull Peterborough who were always competitive at this level they always you know they make a good fist of it and I think if Pompey or Sunderland come up I think the new owners will be chucking big money at it you know suddenly it's much more competitive than it has been and there could be some big teams coming down from the Prem as well not just Sheffield United so you know, I think it adds even more pressure, Nick, it, doesn't it? That they have to get it even, even That's the right. That's right. So, probably not the right phrase, but you get my point. They've got to get, they've got to be even more on point with these signings because if we don't hit the ground running, we're going to be up to our necks in it.
3: Yeah. And there's no hiding place next season as well, especially with the fans back in. The club's got nowhere to hide. You know, they can ignore Twitter for the time being and stuff like that. They can switch their phones off. But once we're in the ground, you know, the fans' voices will be heard in the ground. They'll tell Phil right in the ground what they feel and what they think because town fans do that, and rightfully so. But I think, you know, next season is going to be the biggest test that Phil's ever going to have to have as chairman of this club because it's make or break. I think, you know, I don't want Carlos to go. I wouldn't be I wouldn't be overly shocked if it happened, but I don't want him to go because I do see potential in him. And we have seen that potential in the first half of the season. And I think it'd be a shame to throw that potential to waste. So, yeah, I think it's it's going to be a real, real interesting time, more so for next season, I think.
0: So we've agreed really that this uh, upcoming transfer window and we seem to be saying this every time that Huddersfield go into the transfer market but this one has to be uh, the most important one yet. Um speaking of transfers we had some news of course uh, in the time in the interlude between our last episode and this one Umanias out for the season with a groin injury probably going to leave the club without ever kicking a ball for Huddersfield Town can't really see any sense in extending his deal if he's only here till the end of the season he won't kick a ball he still won't be match fit Begs the question, perhaps? Yeah, yeah, Sonogo. We've got him till the end of the season too. We have actually seen him in a town shirt. Uh, does he stay? Is he one that we need to look into for next season? And and, and while we're on that, as well, mentioning uh, transfers. Of course, you might have noticed in the news that Huddersfield Town were um, subject to a temporary transfer embargo. It was hastily cleared up that that was uh, really an administrative error, or an administrative thing, given the uh, the difference in deadlines between HMRC and the EFL for publishing accounts. And to follow on to that, the accounts came out in the last couple of weeks as well. So I'll go to Gaz on that, because he, out of all of us, is by far the best qualified, you would say, to look at the accounts. But uh, otherwise, uh, really, uh, I think the only thing to say from that is uh, there's nothing really to say on, on, on the ass. Sunogo, so does he stay, or do we want to see him move down as well, and do we go for a completely clean slate?
2: Well, they kept, they kept the transfer embargo and, and, the, uh, and the issues with that very quiet. I noticed that was never... Never mentioned. Nias, I think when they were negotiating his wages, Phil said to him, "Let's split the difference," and he took that quite too literally. I think, um, you know, I mean, the bloke basically broke his ass, so I mean, he'll never kick a ball for us and get three months' salary. So, in fairness, he's probably still done more than Alex Pritchard's done in three years. So it's not all doom and gloom, is it? Um, I think Sonogos, Sonogos, an odd one for me. He's a, you know, he's a, he's a big lad. He's a big unit. He has not added very much, really. I think he's, he sort of played half-decent in a couple of games. He gives us a focus. That is a positive. Gives us something to play off, which I think is probably what we thought we were getting with Danny Ward when Danny Ward come, that he'd be the one that would give us that. Um, it, it, yeah, I think the money's going to be tight. That much is clear. I wasn't aware the club had published the accounts, so that's new to me if they're out. Um, I'll need to go and look at that. I, I do know that uh, some of Phil's group companies have published some of their accounts which made very interesting. Sorry, yeah, I, sh- I, I
0: should clarify though. No, it wasn't the uh, it was the club, it was we're looking at of course the pure accounts that have come out, which of course Yeah, highly- yeah, it was.
2: And, and that was quite an interesting, an interesting set of numbers. I mean, as always, with these businesses, you can read the numbers anyway how you want. Um, the best the best point a bloke on Twitter made to me was that apparently those accounts tell me as much about Phil's personal personal wealth as the Royal Mails do to my local postie, which I tend to disagree with. He's, oh, Phil is the is the uh, owns most of the shares but you know pure clearly has had a tough year it's burnt quite a lot of cash its profitability has fallen pretty much like every service business in the uk so you know i don't think that i don't think that's any any slight Phil. i think that's a slight in the economy but it's clear his attention has been elsewhere because mark devlin mentioned in the um in the in the facebook video that he did that Phil's own business was you know, was, was having it under a bit of pressure. So my guess is he's had to spend a bit of time and effort on Pure, thinking that when he bought the club, it was a business he could leave to run and spend more time at Westfield Town. So I think mean, there's there's going to be challenges all round. Uh, Ian, I'm sure, has got plenty to say on the, the Pure accounts and how that links into Pure Sports consultancy. But the club accounts should be due by the end of June. My guess is they won't be released until season ticket sales have closed. Oh, the,
4: on the Pure accounts, you go on that for days, right? But the, the thing is, Phil said himself, there was a correlation between the success of Pure to, to, the, to the amount of money he'd be investing into town when he first took over, right? And now Pure obviously have been hit by COVID. Absolutely fine. Lots of companies have, so that will affect. And, and to me, it actually made sense why all of a sudden Town were then talking about sustainability. Whereas before when he first came in, it was about investing at the same levels of Dean Hall, which is up five to seven million a year. Something I can't remember exactly what the financial fair play was at the time because it did change a little bit from five million a year to 15 over three or seven to 21 over three it was. But that's what the talk was at the beginning and, and now it's changed to sustainability and then you see the pure accounts are not necessarily what some people might have expected to be. I don't actually know if their growth what, what it was forecasted, of course. It could have gone anyway, but it, it, every company's been affected by COVID. We get that. Um, so it actually made more sense to me having seen that where town are today. And to be honest, I was happier about it having seen that because it just ticks a few boxes and, and things start to make sense. But quickly on, on Sonogo and um, Nias, they aren't guys that we'll be able to afford for next season. They won't fit into our wage budget. Not a chance. We shattered in January because we missed out on on a few signings. It got to February. We're like, right, we've got to sign somebody. We need to have something because if we don't bring a strike in, we're going to go down. Luckily, the Swansea win came out of absolutely nowhere. Um, and then we didn't even have to really play Sonogo and nice But to me, they were a bit of a, a black... A bit like Kio was, we just chucked a little bit of money in there just to keep us safe, because to stay in the championship is worth four or five million. So you might as well spend whatever they're on, 10, 15 grand a week for just for a few months to give us that option. And just in case one does work and you win one game, two games maybe by bringing these guys in. I don't think that's going to play out that way, but if that would have been an important and did happen, then it was obviously worth the gamble. It was a small gamble to take, But I don't see them fitting into our our wage structure going forward for next season.
1: I don't know, lads. You know, um, I find it strange that they already had Campbell, Sonogo, the goal machine that's Danny Ward as well. And yet they still brought Nias in, which kind of makes me think, you know, do do you bring somebody like that in for three months when you've already got those players available unless you're wanting to potentially give them a contract for next season? And I kind of wonder... You know, is Campbell's contract up? Could he be brought in as a replacement for Campbell, who's a bit younger? He's he's all got a bit of pace about him. Do they see potentially him as a replacement? Uh, I don't see Sonogo staying. Um, I agree. He hasn't offered that much. He's a, he's a big target man, but we we need goals. You know, we we need someone that's going to chip in with goals. And I mean, Campbell and Sonogo. There's more goals probably. In, if I were playing up front on my own, I'd probably score the same amount of goals. So, I think I don't know. I I. I Nias is probably the, the one potentially I could see him giving a contract to. is unfortunate because he seems like a nice lad that that wanted to give his all, and it's obviously just a bad injury at the, at the bad time, and uh, it, it is a shame. But um, yeah, it's it's quite clear that a lot of these signings are gonna be are gonna be on the cheap. Um, we do need a bit of experience there. You know, we're signing. We've got Campbell, we've got Sonogo, we've got Nias, you know, all of 30, 30 odd. It kind of goes against this policy of bringing in youth. Um, You know, you you only really need one player with that kind of experience to help bring the others on. So I think we only really need potentially one of those moving forward and then maybe bringing a a, a younger striker. But I know there's a talk of this guy at Fleetwood, is it? Coming. But then if he's got to choose between us, Derby, and another club, then we've got no chance. Um, So yeah, so I think Nias, yeah, so I I wouldn't be surprised actually if we didn't offer him a a, a contract. Maybe as a replacement for Campbell, but that's that's just me. Um, That's just me guessing. Well,
3: yeah,
0: exactly. Right. Sorry, Dan, I said we're not exactly uh, an attractive prospect. Right at the moment anyway, and, and that is uh, that is right enough and true. We're looking ahead to the next games coming up. So Bournemouth on a Tuesday afternoon. Now that's the important one. We saw how well that went at Dean Court. Um, and then following that, we got Forest, which was initially scheduled in for Saturday afternoon. That may well change now because of the funeral of uh, Prince Philip. But looking just to the cherries uh, in midweek, and some of you might be listening to this after this game, but if you're coming into it and listening to it before Tuesday afternoon, I know what I think in my head, and it's not pretty, uh, but I want to go around you guys and see, first of all, predictions for the Bournemouth game. And then a straight up yes or no answer. Do Huddersfield Town stay in the championship this season? Yes or no? Uh, so I will start with whoever wants to go first. I'm looking to the left of my screen. I'm going to go to Gaz. Uh,
2: yeah, well, I think, I think they will scrape it. As I, say, I, I said earlier, I think the rest of the bottom 10 are so bad. Um, I think we'll stop up by by default. I think we'll probably know a, a lot. We'll go a long way to knowing for sure. Probably by the end of this week when Rotherham have played their three games. Because of course they play Coventry and is it Derby, Coventry and Derby. I think in their in two of their three matches. So uh, yeah, we'll stop up sure of that. Dan, want to go next?
3: Um, I don't expect anything from Bournemouth. from Conan. Kind of... Terrified of that now after Norwich. You know, it's given me flashbacks already. But I also think, in terms of will we stay up? I like to think, yeah, we'll stay up because I think, I genuinely think we do just need a couple more points on the board and I think we'll be fine. I think, you know, the bottom three, are, you know, they're scraping away and they are fighting for it and it will be a challenge. But I genuinely believe that if one or two more points and I think we could be okay
0: i go to Nick next.
3: 2-1 Bournemouth
1: and just. I'm already starting to work out in preparation for my run. I, I think it's going to be very close though. And by very close, I mean, you know, a couple of points, one couple of points in it. I, I, I would not be surprised if it went to the last game of the season, in, in all honesty, because I just don't see us winning a game between now and the end of the season. And I think as bad as the other teams below us are, I think they will pick up the odd win because some of them are playing each other. So it will be close, but yes, just.
0: So much is dependent on Rotherham, isn't it? And then finally, Ian.
4: I don't know, that's what we're looking at now, boys. We're not looking about like finishing mid-table. We're deciding if we're going to finish 21st or 22nd. Because if you, if you look at the, the table beneath us, you've got Derby and commentary at the moment. Greg absolutely fucked us last week well, sorry, like three weeks ago when we last recorded because he spoke about how our goal difference was a big positive and like an extra point and then Norwich have absolutely pumped us and now our goal difference is as bad as anyone's. Um, So now that point's been taken away. We're looking at are we going to finish 21st or 22nd to me? So rather than talking about how town are going to do against Bournemouth because I really don't see us winning another game anytime soon, um, I'm just more bothered about how Rotherham are going to go. Do do we have faith in Rotherham winning enough games to catch us up? That's that's where we're at now. And to say we were a Premier League club two years ago, and we are now looking at can Rotherham, Rotherham, mighty Rotherham, catches with a few games in hand that they've got. Says everything about where we are as a club at the moment. And and all this talk about where we're going to be in three to five years from the club that we get all the time now. It's like the three transfer window over and over again. Isn't it? how will we do against Bournemouth? Bournemouth will absolutely stuff us. They'll stuff us by three or four, I reckon. We don't have it in us anymore to... To, to bring the chaos and stuff teams like Swansea 4-1. That seems to have gone because we've gone deeper and deeper. And now Steve Chicken said something last week that was really, really good. And there's not much you've not really heard from journos. And I'll be fair to him. He put a point across really, really well. Sometimes when you go with a more defensive style to stop team scoring, it stops you being able to score. And that invites teams on more and more and more. And that's what we're doing. We made Rotherham look like they were dominating, like Man City do some games. And if we're letting Rotherham do that, we are going to eat us up for dinner, aren't they? I can't see a win I can't see a point
0: Well, like we say, it's going to be very much clearer next time you uh, listen to a town social episode. Rotherham will probably have played three games uh, by that time. across to play it Tuesday, Thursday and Sunday. As for Hudsfield tonight, I think we get beat 2-0 against Rotherham uh, at home on Tuesday. And then goodness knows what happens from then in. But yeah, with Bournemouth, Forest, Barnsley, Blackburn, Coventry, Reading still to play, I don't see us winning any of those games. However, I do see us scraping up. I just don't think that Rotherham are going to be able to cope with the intensity of uh, playing nine games in such a short space of time. But it's been a story of cricket scores and goalless draws in this week in the world of Huddersfield Town. Thank you very much to Ian Kilroy, Dan Peckett, Gareth Kay, and Nick Barlow. I've been Cameron Pope. Do join us again next time.